May God bless you all. A very special greeting to all the churches that we have in over 60 countries. To all of you, I greet with great affection and here, the brothers and sisters that are present with me, a special greeting to you as well. May God bless you and you may be seated. And you at home, you also can have a seat and get comfortable. And I am very happy to be here once again with you. And I hope that you take advantage of these teachings and that you keep them in your heart and that you put them to practice. I long that you read the Bible and that you find many secrets and many hidden mysteries and that you fall in love with our God because the Bible is the book that God has permitted or allowed to remain in the world so that God may make himself known, so that people, mankind, may know that there is a superior being. Although not everyone believes, and although not everyone has accepted this book nor believes in the existence of God, but we do believe because God has manifested himself in our lives. He has shown himself to us time and time again and in a thousand different ways. So we do not doubt the existence of God. He lives. He lives forever. And his great mystery, that great mystery that exists, which is God Father, God Son, God Holy Spirit. That is the greatest mystery that exists. And through that mystery, there's a lot of different debates and people don't understand and they need different theories in order to understand, but they're never going to find them. It is only simply believing, believing in what God tells us, believing in what God says, that is all. Just as when God told Abraham, he told him, you need to leave your land, you need to leave your family, you need to leave your belongings and go, go to another place that I will show you because I will make you the father of many nations. And I'm sure in that time, Abraham did not even know other towns or cities. He didn't know any other people other than his family, those who were around him, his relatives, those that were by his side, his family and his relatives. And God told him he would be the father of many nations. And he said, well, this is a mystery. I don't understand, but I believe. God said this, so I believe, and so this will come to pass. I will do it. And he left. He obeyed the Lord. Glory to our God. And so, like him with us today, God has taught us that we need to believe and that God works as the Father, God works as the Son, God works as the Holy Spirit. And it's not that it's three gods, it's not a God with three heads, as people vulgarly say or express, but it is one true God, and there is nothing impossible for him. God works miracles, and he has worked so many miracles, and we know that it is so. This is why we are here following and standing before him, standing before our God, and we are inviting you all as well to partake in these great blessings that we have enjoyed and lived here from the time that we have gotten to know this beautiful word, this beautiful path of our God. And so the honor and the glory is for our God. And let us sing to the Lord. Hymn number 61. And please 
excuse us, the brothers and sisters in the churches, because there are many churches that are congregated at this moment watching the sermon, watching us here. And I please ask that you excuse us if maybe we take a little bit longer. It does take a little bit longer for you because after the sermon, then you continue on with your own service in each church. And so, well, today is Sunday, and so please have some patience with us. Some patience, and let us actually focus and pay great attention to the things of God. And you see, you will see how the time will go by quickly. You won't feel tired. You won't feel hungry. And, well, now let us sing to the Lord. Him, number 61, title, The Comforter Has Come. The Comforter is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come to the world. He is here for over 2,000 years now, working in the hearts of men and women. And so let us sing with all of our heart and with great joy. Do quiere el hombre este, la nueva proclamar. Do quiera y aflicción, miserias y dolor. Cristianos anunciar que el Padre nos envió el fiel consolador. El fiel consolador, el fiel consolador que Dios nos prometió al mundo descendió. Do quiere el hombre decir que vino ya el fiel consolador. La noche ya pasó y al fin brilló la luz que vino a disipar las sombras del terror. Así del alma fue su aurora celestial, el fiel consolador. El fiel consolador, el fiel consolador que Dios nos prometió al mundo descendió. Do quiere el hombre esté, decid que vino ya el fiel consolador. Él es quien da la luz y plena libertad a los que encadenó el fiero tentador. Los rotos hierros hoy dirán que vino ya el fiel consolador. El fiel consolador, el fiel consolador que Dios nos prometió al mundo descendió. Do quiere el hombre esté, decir que vino ya el fiel consolador. Oh, grande eterno amor, mi lengua.
del don que recibí al renovar en mí la imagen celestial el fiel consolador el fiel consolador el fiel consolador que Dios nos prometió al mundo descendió do quiere el hombre esté decir que vino ya el fiel consolador blessed and praised is the name of the lord and we thank the lord and you know also when we sing without any musical background any instrumentation it's so that the brothers and sisters learn the hymns because when we do have the the music background in the congregation you sort of overshadow the melody of the hymn and people don't truly learn the melody of the hymn and they sing it differently and so when we sing this way you will realize that we must sing well with the right melodic notes and we see how beautiful this hymn truly is and also it is very important sometimes to sing without that music background so that we learn how to sing the hymns and the choruses and very well my dear brothers and sisters and our viewers today we're going to continue with our marvelous teaching that we have been uh, giving concerning the spiritual gifts and concerning what God has appointed in his church, the spiritual gifts and the ministries. And the apostle Paul here, he says that God appointed in the church ministries and it was our Lord Jesus Christ himself who had appointed them. He also says that God does different works and it is all still the same God and that the Holy Spirit, he gives different spiritual gifts to different believers, men and women, and it is all still the same God. This is why we cannot say the spiritual gifts are from the Holy Spirit or being a prophet, being an apostle, or an evangelist, that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ, or working a miracle that is extraordinary in someone's life, that's given by the Father. No, we say God is the one who does all things in, in every one, because God is one. And so we say the spiritual gifts, and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in the heart of a man or woman who follows the path of the Lord. And someone asked a question, someone wrote to me and said, well, how can you receive the Holy Spirit? What can be done? Because I mentioned that when the Holy Spirit comes to our life, our being, we feel, or some people feel this desire to cry. Others want to maybe scream. Others want to cough. Maybe others feel even nausea. Because nausea, that's 
occurs when there are evil spirits in that person and the Holy Spirit then comes to that person at first it cleanses them before it fully rests upon them and so that's why there's a struggle that's why that person feels nausea and vomits because those evil spirits are coming out of their body and so the Holy Spirit then comes in to possess that person all of these manifestations other times maybe you feel a lot of heat over your body heat over your head heat over your body and then movements and swaying in your legs and in your arms people sway because the holy spirit sways them from one point to the next and that is the manifestation of the holy spirit when he comes to a person but this manifestation only happens when people are in the congregation they are within the church when they are all congregated praising the Lord and glorifying Him. Some sing, some are praying, some are praising. That is when the Holy Spirit comes and comes upon them. And people feel that, that, that those different types of sensations. So it's not that you are going to go run and work out and, and you're exercising and because you felt heat, it's the Holy Spirit. No, that's not how it is. It's only when we are congregated here within the church we've come we've come only to pray to god i came last week and i congregated all week long i was at each worship service seeking the holy spirit or i'll go next week i'm gonna go every day and i'm going to congregate to see if i receive the holy spirit i'm going to praise and pray the lord to pray to the lord and that's when it happens so be very careful and another person asked that they felt a lot of heat. Well, maybe they have menopause. <laughs> and they said that, oh, because if you felt heat, maybe that was the Holy Spirit. That's not it. So don't confuse one thing with the other, please. And the sensations that you feel outside in the world, that's something completely separate. But here within the congregation, when we're all praying, it is when the Holy Spirit manifests and people begin to speak in other tongues and another language and they begin to prophesy and this is why it is important to come to the congregation it is important to congregate remember in hebrews the apostle paul he said to the people to the churches do not cease coming together to congregate some have a custom maybe to stop congregating but that's not correct some say well no i'm not going to go to the congregation i won't go because here at home i pray here at home i read the bible i pray and i sing to god and it is enough but it is not enough when the apostle teaches in hebrews he says do not cease congregating do not leave the congregation meaning do not stop from going to the congregation well, God wants you to congregate so that the Holy Spirit comes to your life and gives you the spiritual gifts and baptizes you with the Holy Spirit and He gives you the spiritual gifts. He gives you the gift of prophecy. There is no other way for you to receive the spiritual gifts at home, alone, in your apartment, in your room, or whatever you want to call that space that you are residing in. There where you are, where you live, if you alone, if you say you're going to read the Bible and you're going to attain the spiritual gifts, well, who will you minister them to? No one, because you're alone, living alone. So you must go to the congregation. 
And so that is what we need to keep in mind. Do not forget to read the last chapter in Hebrews where it teaches us to not leave the congregation as some have accustomed to do that. Why? Because it is to receive the spiritual gifts. It is to impart the spiritual gifts upon others, to pray for those who are sick. That's it. That is what the congregation is for. And this is why God said every day, the doors of the church will be open every day so that some people will come one day, others will come a different day, others will come on Wednesday, others will come on Friday because of work and going to school and having children and then different cares of life does not allow you to go every day. So you come maybe two or three days. We don't know how many days, but you come to congregate, to serve with the spiritual gifts and also to receive those spiritual gifts. That's what the congregation is for, so that all of us together, we may praise and glorify God. And in that manner, we are in fellowship with the Lord. That is how we are able to be triumphant and to progress in our spiritual life. And so as we are speaking of all things spiritual here, we're going to see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to open our Bibles in 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to read from verse 1 to 13 until the very end of that chapter. And today we're going to continue delighting ourselves. For me, it is a delight to open the Bible and to read it and to reflect. It is a delight to learn about our God. And it is even more of a delight when we actually put the word of our Lord to practice. 1 Corinthians in chapter number 13 chapter 13 chapter 12 well no we have chapter 13 prepared because last time we gathered we were in chapter 12 so today we're in chapter 13 right chapter 13 is next now it, the previous week when we gathered we were in chapter 12 of first corinthians and we went over the body and it said here in chapter 12 that the apostle Paul is explaining that the spiritual gifts that God has given to the church, it is compared and it is illustrated as a body, like the body of a human being who has a head and has a body. So the head is there and then the rest of the body. And in this way, you form a person, you form a being. So the Apostle Paul is saying that in the church, our Lord Jesus Christ, he is the head of the body. And that that body is the church or the believers, men and women of different places from over the world who will, who will convert to God. They will become the body of Christ, men and women. And it says that just as an ordinary body has different members, has many members, and it mentioned eyes, it mentioned ears, it mentioned fingers and feet. He mentioned the different members of the body. And he said, just like the head, without the body, well, it cannot function. Well, the same goes with the body. Without the head, it can't function. And so the body having its different members, although different, they are all very necessary. All the members of the body are necessary. That one foot could not tell the hand, I have no need of you. 
because the foot can't carry out the function that the hand does. The same goes vice versa. The hand cannot belittle the foot and say, I have no need of you because the hand cannot do what the foot does. So that was the illustration that the Apostle Paul gave here in chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians, because he said that just like with the different organs of the body, they are so necessary, they both all work together, the same is in the church, that there it is necessary for all of the spiritual gifts to be present because all the spiritual gifts are needed so that people are able to work and serve the Lord and are able to also exert those spiritual gifts in the church. So there will be men and women who will have a gift of prophecy. Others will be prophets. Others will be apostles. Others will be teachers. And so that we find in the last verse in chapter 29 of chapter 12, that the apostle says, he says, are all apostles? Well, no, not everyone can be an apostle. Just like when we say if the body was only made up of feet. And so just a foot alone can't do anything. It needs the leg. It needs the rest of the body, the arms. The, the foot needs that in order to function. So are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Well, some are prophets. Some men are prophets or some women are prophetesses. Are all teachers? No. Some men, believers in the Lord, are teachers or others. Women are also teachers. Are all workers of miracles? No. Some believers work or God uses them to work miracles. And there will be women who God will use to work miracles as well. And do all have gifts of healings? Well, no. Some have gifts of healings. Others have a different spiritual gift. Do all speak with tongues? Well, no, not all speak in tongues. Now, there will be some who will speak in tongues. Others will not. Now, of course, to receive the Holy Spirit for the first time, when you receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and the Lord comes to us when we receive that baptism, we do speak in tongues for the first time. And now, of course, all must speak in those tongues for that first time. Then later, God gives those spiritual gifts to people, and maybe that person won't speak so many t tongues later, but they'll have other spiritual gifts God has given them. And so to receive the Holy Spirit, you do need to speak in tongues for the first time. And that we will go over in a different teaching. We'll go over that so that this is very clear to you, this doctrine of the work of the Holy Spirit. And so here, it says, do all speak with tongues? Well, no. Do all interpret? No. There will be some men, some women who are believers that can interpret the tongues. Others have other spiritual gifts and they work and serve the Lord in a different manner. So here the apostle is saying, as you can see, it is very necessary that in the church, all of the spiritual gifts exist because all are needed for the growth of the body of Christ, which is the church itself. All are needed for that growth that the Lord spoke about. And he said he was going to raise up his perfect church without spot or wrinkle. He was going to raise up his church for himself to be betrothed to her one day. And so the Lord, to perfect that church, he is going to perfect her with the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts, any of the spiritual gifts of the ones that we've mentioned comes to the life of a man or a woman 
And the duty of that man or woman is to change. They must change. If they do not change, well, then God is going to destroy them one day because they belittled the word of God or they belittled the gift of God. And so the Holy Spirit comes to the life of a believer, man or woman, and the duty is to change your life, to say, Lord, I no longer want to sin. I no longer want to sin and you will help me. I want to please you. I want to please you. And so God begins to help that person change. But if God does not see any interest on your own behalf to want to change, but you want to continue sinning, well, then God will not help you because God wants you to make that decision for you to feel in your heart the longing to change and to say, Lord, I want to change. Lord, take away this sin that I have, this such and such sin with first and last name, perhaps. But Lord, if you don't take away the sin from me, well, then how can I please you? Lord, you've already given me your spirit. I have the spiritual gifts, but now I need you to remove this sin that is constantly persecuting me. I need you to help me to change because I alone cannot. And so the Lord sees that interest in you and God begins to change and transform you. But there are people who are not like that. They are not sincere. They don't want to convert to God. They don't want to please God. They don't want to love God. They don't want to serve God. They don't want to do anything. So what happens? Well, they carry on in their sin in their life and God tolerates them, has patience up until a certain point, until the time comes and God takes away the spiritual gifts he's given them, takes them away, and then God leaves them alone so that that punishment may come to them later on. That's what happens. And this we will also go over in different teachings that we have prepared in Hebrews, where the apostle there explains this very clearly concerning people who do not want to change. God gives them what the spiritual blessings, but they don't want to change. They want to continue sinning. And so there are consequences to that. We will read about those consequences later. And so here in chapter 12, at the very end, the apostle, of course, logically, he was mentioning that it was very necessary to have all the spiritual gifts, I repeat, for the formation of the body of Christ, which is his church. But the apostle in verse 31, he said, but earnestly desire, you earnestly desire the best gifts. Now the best gifts, it's whatever you believe is best for you. He says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. Now, but then he says, and yet I show you, yet I show you a more excellent way. So here he is speaking about leaving all sin, leaving all sin. Because sometimes the Lord gives the spiritual gifts to a person who is still sinning. He gives them the spiritual gifts so that this person may repent and change, have a different life and change, love God and feel God and choose and make the decision to choose God. And so this is why the apostle says, desire the best gifts, yet I show you a more excellent way, a more excellent way, which is that love. And now we'll continue with chapter 13, love. We're going to go over what love is. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, the apostle says, if I speak with many tongues, 
meaning French or English, German, Portuguese, Italian, Japanese, Chinese. And also, if I spoke in those tongues of angels, those that the Holy Spirit gives, when he baptizes us with his spirit and we begin to speak in tongues that we do not understand. And there are those who speak so many tongues and it's a language we don't understand, no one understands. Those are those angelical tongues. And it says, so if I speak with many tongues of men and of angels, those angelical tongues, but have not love. Now, what is that love? Now, the brothers and sisters in the church, those who have been in the church for some time, they know what love is. But since I have before me many newcomers, many first-time guests, what is love for you? Now, we're not going to talk about the love of a couple. That's different. The love of a couple is different. The love of a man and a woman when they devote themselves to love together, that's different. That's not the kind of love that we're talking about. This is a love in general terms. In general terms, a human being who has love or who does not have love. A human being who does not have love doesn't care about anything in life. They don't care about making anyone happy. They don't care about or worry about making their loved ones happy or their neighbors or their friends happy or their relatives happy, the world happy. No one. They don't care about making anyone happy. Not even granting anything to anyone because they don't care. There is no love in them, in that person. And so let us note that there is something different in that person who has no desire to make other people happy. They are not responsible or organized. They do not keep up with their own responsibilities. And so there, little by little, we see what love is. And so it says, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Yes, this metal, when you, when you hit it, when you hit metal with metal, it starts to give off this uncertain sound that you really have no sense for. That is how a person is who has no love or who does not worry about making anyone happy. To make more people, they hear about happiness, they think of the affection or love between a couple, and that's happiness. No, there are so many things that make people happy. A child for who has never maybe had candy, a child who is marginalized and lives far away, is very poor, their family has no food, and he has never had chocolate before. And someone comes and gives him chocolate, and he eats the chocolate, and he feels happy. He's happy because he just had chocolate. So just so that you could see, happiness encloses many things. And there are many things in the world, thousands of things that produce happiness. So this is why when I say that there are beings who do not care about making anyone happy, it's because they do a lot of displeasing things that make or that do not produce happiness, but produce sadness. Now in verse number two, it reads, and though I have the gift of prophecy, 
So the apostle says, though I have the gift of prophecy. Now, so I'm prophesying maybe to 100, 200, or 300 people in the congregation. But I have not love. It says, if there is no love, well then, it is of no use to have the spiritual gift of prophecy and to prophesy for many every Sunday or every Thursday or every Wednesday or every day if there is no love. And so later on, we're going to see what love is. And he says, And though I understand all mysteries of God and all knowledge and the understanding of the doctrine of the Lord, and though I have all faith, so he says that he has the kinds of faith that can remove mountains. So if he had that kind of faith that could remove mountains, but have not love, well then, he says, I am nothing. So the apostle, he is saying in verse 1, 2, and 3, when he says, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Verse 1, 2, and 3, he is listing that all of that is worth nothing. It profits him nothing if he has no love. So he says, well... Okay, I have all the spiritual gifts. It means now I consider myself to be a part of the body of Christ. But what are all the spiritual gifts used for? It is to perfect the body of Christ. Why was the body of Christ, was it imperfect? Well, yes, it was imperfect because people were living in sin, in many sins. Murders, those who kidnap, those who are envious and selfish, those who are thieves those who fornicate, those who are adulterers, etc. All of those types of sins and weaknesses were in people, and the Holy Spirit comes with His spiritual gifts to cover over this man or woman to cleanse them from all of those sins because He wants to make sure that the body of Christ is perfect, that the body of Christ needs to be perfect. That is what the Lord says. And so he gives the spiritual gifts. So he expects people to say, well, Lord, help me to change. Yes, you've given me the spiritual gifts. Now I need to change. Look at my sins. Look at my weaknesses. Lord, take them away. That is the fight that begins. That is love. And so the apostle says in verse 1, 2, and 3, all of those spiritual gifts, all of that knowledge, all of that doctrine that he knows of God and has of God, but if you have a sin, whatever sin it is, if you are dwelling and living with that sin, well, then you are nothing. You are nothing, and it profits you nothing. You need to ask God to help you change, to take that away from you. And so now in verse 4, the apostle says, why? Well, love suffers long. Yes. What is it to suffer long? Well, to suffer long, it is to bear and to tolerate and to withstand maybe humiliation from people. And so there's a man or a woman who converts to God and they have come to church and they've converted to God, this man or this woman, 
They've come to church. God has spoken to them. God, they convert. They continue forward, and every night or maybe two or three days out of the week, they come to church and they seek the spiritual gifts. God baptizes them with His Holy Spirit, and then He gives them the spiritual gifts. But in them, there is a hidden sin, a secret sin that they could not abandon. They then begin that struggle and that fight and they are suffering and they're asking the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm suffering because of the sin that I have that I cannot leave, I cannot abandon and it makes me suffer. Take this away. Or also, as it turns out, God heard that prayer and the intention of these people to want to change so God takes away that sin and that person is free. But then, there then comes a different kind of suffering for these people. They're no longer suffering because they have that sin. God has removed that from them. But they now begin to suffer the humiliation from others, or the despisement of others, or the mockery of their family, because they are coming to church. And they make fun of them. And they say a lot of displeasing things to them. And they even threaten them. They, they say, well, if you're in that church, believing in that God that you say or you talk about, well, then I'm going to take away your inheritance. Or others say, I'm going to not even talk to you anymore. Don't even call me mom or dad. Don't call me that. I don't know you anymore. Others, they belittle you and make fun of you, mock you, and then never talk to you, not even greet you anymore. That is suffering. That causes suffering. So the person, they start to suffer. But as they have started to love God from the moment they arrived because they received the spiritual gifts, they have now lived experiences with God, and they say, the love of God is stronger. That love of God is stronger in me than whatever is happening with my family or my relatives or friends. This is stronger. And they're telling me that they're going to take away my inheritance? Well, God has also told me, he's already said that he is going to give me progress. He's going to give me triumph in my life and that he was going to open many doors of blessing for work and I was going to live well. And so my father, God, will not forsake me. He will give me an inheritance, I know it. And so I need to suffer and bear bear the suffering and to bear the humiliation bear the mockery from my loved ones to suffer through all of that and bear it and that is that love that suffers long have you suffered brothers and sisters those who are present have you suffered i think maybe you have and i know that you have because i know some of you, you've shared the suffering, the humiliation, the belittlement of your own because you are in the church of God. Because you are not going to their events and their gatherings and their different banquets and not going off to do all that they do. And so they humiliate you. And so the brother and the sister, the believer, they are suffering. They are bearing through it, tolerating and bearing through all of these things. And so this is why it says love suffers long. And so you can say, in my case, in my case, what have I suffered? What have I suffered and what have I tolerated and what have I bared through and been very careful with to this day, suffering through all of these things? It is all for the love of God. 
Love suffers long. I remember there were some scandals that came up against me. Some brothers and sisters may remember this, others may not. There were some scandals that came up in 2014 in 2004 or 2014, and I don't remember or recall if it came up again in 2017 and 2018, but there were some scandals where people slandered me, people would look at me, and everyone would point me out. That produces suffering, right? In a certain way. And you're uncomfortable. What could I do? I could just, I was just bearing through it. I was tolerating, having patience. I was continuing forward, lifting my head up, loving God, continuing on and loving the Lord because God was the one who was going to defend me. He was going to stand up for me and love suffers long. So had I not, had I not had the ability to suffer and to bear the suffering and just living through it, well, then I would have given up, I'm sure. I would have just had to quit and go off to a different planet. But what planet could I go to? Where could I hide from the presence of God? No place. And so what could I do? Continue forward. Love suffers long. Be patient. Tolerate. Wait. Wait. God will help you. God will pick you up. Glory to God. And that's how it's been. God picks you up. God picks up those who are fallen. And you see, in the world, people say, those who have fallen, people maybe even fall harder on them. But the Lord, to those who have fallen, He picks up. Glorious is the Lord. And so now you may understand that love suffers long. With the spiritual gifts, you have to be patient. And you have to suffer long. Now, I met a person who was slandered and people said terrible things about this person. And with this, she felt like dying. With this, she disappeared. She hid herself and fled so that no one would find her, not even her family, of the pain that she felt, of the bitterness and the wrath and anger that she had against those people who had raised up the slandering, these slandering words. She could not tolerate it in her spiritual life collapsed. Now I remember I said to her, well, look at everything that's happened to me. And I'm still standing here serving God joyfully. Nothing. I'm here completely whole. Don't pay attention because it's the devil. He doesn't want you to be here, but tolerate and suffer through it. Bear it. You must have some resignation. And that is what that means love suffers long. It means to be tolerant, to bear through it and not pay attention to those things. And so if they disinherit you, well, people say, okay, well, Lord, your word is beautiful. I met a young man who came to church. He was in the church for five years. He received the Holy Spirit and he spoke in tongues. And he was, he, he throughout those five years, he came to the congregation and congregated. And then this young man, he was of high society, high class, upper class. And one day he quit and he said, well, God is here. God has blessed me. 
God has spoken to me, made me promises, but I can't continue in this path because my family is of high society and I need to be with them in the different gatherings and the different commitments and events that we have that are a part of my family and a part of the job of, of all of that. So I can't be here. I need to be there with them. So I'm quitting all of this. And he left. He said his farewell and never came back to church. He never sought the Lord after that because he also said, and my family has also threatened me to take away my inheritance if I'm not with them. That is what that young man did and how sad. It produced great sadness in me to see that situation. And so he left. He left to go out and live in the world that he had always lived in, with, in, in his society, with his riches, and with all the glories of the world. And I am not sure what happened, but the matter is, is that he was once traveling to a certain place and some thieves came and they they do a lot of bad things they murder and kidnap and they killed him they killed him and that was that young man's end that was the end of his inheritance and the riches that was the end of high society and titles that was the end of everything he died he was killed they shot him and that was the end of that young man and how sad and maybe god allowed for us to find out so that we could see the consequences of when we belittle God, when we belittle the Word of God. Love. Love is kind. We continue here. Love is kind. Now, what does being kind mean? Well, it's being good. It comes from doing what is good and, and being giving. Now, you should be a person who is upright, and merciful, all of that encloses being kind. Goodness and mercy, patience, affection towards others, and being generous. And maybe, well, there are some people who are generous, but in their hearts they have many flaws. But a person, when they are kind, they do things because it comes from them naturally. They smile to others and they greet others with sincerity, with affection. They look at others with eyes of mercy and eyes of respect and of value. So a person who is kind does good in every aspect of their life. That is being kind. And so it says a person who has love or a person who is kind has love. A person who suffers long or has patience and withstands and bears a lot of things and continues on in the path of God, well, we say they have love. So, someone who is kind has love. And it says here, love does not envy. Love does not envy. When a man or a believer a woman who has the spiritual gifts because again we are speaking of the people who have spiritual gifts the apostle had already said that we need to receive all of the spiritual gifts but he also says to them but i'm going to show you a more excellent way that you don't live in sin but that you have love love and so since people thought love was just the love between a couple of hugs and kisses but that's not the love that is spoken of here the love of hugs and kisses, no. It's 
about sin. It deals with sin. It deals with the personality of a person and how that person is. Are they proud and rebellious and crazy? Are they a liar? No. That person has no love. A person who has love suffers long and is kind. They are compassionate, generous, and respectful, well-mannered, decent, prudent. Love does not envy. So a person who does not envy, a person who doesn't feel envy in their heart, they can say that they have love concerning this because they no longer feel envy. Maybe I was very envious at one point in time, but God has taken that away from me. He's changed me, removed that envy. Now I can say I no longer feel envy about anything or anyone. Now, sometimes with envy, people also can say it's jealousy. Envy can also be related to jealousy, but we're not talking about jealousy between a couple. It's different. The jealousy between a husband and a wife is different. But in that couple, a man or woman who are a couple who are husband and wife, the jealousy that may be in them is not what we're talking about when it comes to this envy or the jealousy that we relate to here. No, this the jealousy between a couple is something different. So it says love does not envy because there are people who become angry, who with little simple things, I'll, t I'll teach you quickly, like in a congregation, a young man, he was appointed to carry the microphone so that people could testify. And then the next Sunday, the preacher wanted a different person to carry the microphone. And so this young man became angry and said, why? And that is when there was a, an argument. And so that is envy. When you are not envious, well, then there is no need to become upset when I am assigned to do something one day, but then the next they don't assign it to me anymore. Well, that's fine. I have no need to become angry. Am I the only person that can do it? No, everyone has the right to. But if there is angry or anger, that is envy or jealousy, envy, whatever you want to call it. And I'm illustrating that with maybe a child or, to, or a young man to not maybe use other types of examples with adults. So you become angry with someone. And you say, well, that person, I can't stand that person. That's what they say. They say, I can't stand this person. And I don't know what other terms you may use to say, well, I don't like that person. I can't stand that person. That is envy. It's because of something that you are envious about. So that's why you say you don't like them, that you can't stand them. You can't tolerate them. Now, aside from those people who have evil spirits, those people don't love anyone. But we're talking about men and women who have received the spiritual gifts. We're not going to stray away from the context here concerning the spiritual gifts. So the Apostle Paul gave this teaching and fully. He said it's the spiritual gifts with love. So love, it does not, it's not, does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. So parading yourself or being puffed up, this we call pride. This we call presumptuousness. A person is arrogant. We can 
even say that this person is full of themselves, they're puffed up in saying I have or I, or I am and I do it better than this person or I talk better than you. And so they are offensive and that's when they are parading themselves or they're puffing themselves up. And this person, they have maybe all the spiritual gifts, but they have not love. So what happens? They receive the spiritual gifts, but they puff themselves up. They were full of themselves, but then they say, Lord, help me, change me. You have to take this away from me. Take this away. This feeling of parading myself around or feeling puffed up, take it away because I want to be perfect before you. Verse 5, love does not behave rudely. So here, behaving rudely or not doing what you should this encloses all of sins love does not behave rudely so if someone is going to take the life of someone else well that's behaving rudely or doing something you shouldn't if someone goes and steals something well then they are doing something that they shouldn't behaving rudely if they deceive another person well then they're doing something that they shouldn't they're behaving rudely. If they're feeling envious, that's behaving rudely. If they feel a grudge against someone, hatred, those are behaviors that are rude. If you stop greeting someone, saying hi, well then that's something rude, something you shouldn't do. If you maybe wish bad upon someone, that's something rude and you shouldn't do that. So love does not behave rudely. So why should then we, why should we go off and name all the different sins that exist? We already know that every sin is something that would lead us to behave rudely. Something that is wrong. Maybe gossiping. Gossiping, spreading lies. All of that is behaving rudely. And you should not do it. And so it says love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. So a man, a woman who has the spiritual gifts and they have love, well, it says they do not seek its own. Meaning that they are not thinking about, I'm first, I come second, I come third. No, it's giving to others. And you enjoy, you feel happy, you eat well, you be happy. And about me, don't worry about me. My time will come. But for now, I want you to enjoy this. I want you to have this. I want you to be happy. I want God to bless you, for God to give you things. For you to be triumphant in your life. For things to go well for you in this and that. And what I'm living, well, I'll pray to God and ask Him to have mercy of me. But I'm happy seeing you happy. That's it. They don't seek their own things. Love does not seek its own is not provoked. Love is not provoked. This being provoked or even irritated now very commonly in Colombia, it's being uh, or getting upset. Someone who has a bad temper. And people say that, oh, that person's bad tempered or someone's temperamental. Others in other places, they say, well, this person gets angry very easily. They're, they're wrathful. And so there's different terms in when it comes to speaking of someone's temper. And so that, that wrath starts to take a type of reaction in that person's body. And with that wrath or anger, 
that person becomes violent and aggressive and bad-mannered. They offend others. They, they do so many things. A lot of things happen. And so this is why we must ask God to take that away. Take that away from us. If you consider yourself to be that way, ask God to remove it. Because now you have the spiritual gifts. And it is not right for you to become angry or irritated or provoked. So you do not hold grudges either. Do not hold grudges. I was once praying for a person. And the Holy Spirit uh, said to that person, and that person had spoken to me about their life and said that they were a victim. That she was a victim of everything that she shared. She was the victim. And when I prayed and the Holy Spirit spoke to her, he said, in your heart, there are many grudges. And because of your grudges, that is why you are living and going through what you're going through. That's why you're suffering. And this is happening to you because of the grudges that you have in your heart. You need to remove those grudges from your heart. Now, when the Lord said that to her, it's because she could remove and let go of those grudges. But thanks to our Lord that in the prophecy, the Lord delivered this person and removed the grudges. She ended liberated with happiness in this peace. And she had a change of, of her mindset and, and her thoughts and her way of thinking, and she said that everything has turned out better for her after that. And so when we acknowledge and when we ask God to change us these things, then God does. Now we have the spiritual gifts, but if we have sins, well, then we have not love. And so we must ask God to help us change, and he helps us so that we have love. So let's continue here with love. Love does not hold grudges. Verse 6 does not rejoice love does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth so love rejoices in righteousness and uprightness does not rejoice in what is bad but rejoices in what is good that is that love and i know that you understand what that is verse seven bears all things once again it speaks of that suffering so Bearing all things. Now you know about bearing all things, right? It's that tolerance. It's being patient. Because the enemy comes using your family, using maybe your bosses at work or your people at school, whoever it is, maybe even your children, uses them against you. And you need to discover that it is the devil behind them. And it, it, you need to be patient and you need to bear through all things. You need to pray and ask God so that in you this word is fulfilled that you bear through it because you have love since you have love you remain quiet you you wait on god to help you resolve the problem you bear all things love bears all things love believes all things in the lord you believe everything in the lord when a person has love they believe and they trust in god and also, do you know what happens? They even believe people, even if they're lying to them. You believe them. But who is the one who is deceived in the end? Well, the liar, not you. People can tell you, oh, you are so foolish. You let yourself be deceived. You believe everything people tell you. You're so foolish. It has really no importance that they treat me that way because I have love and I believe what you're telling me but if you are lying to me if you are deceiving me God will take charge and that is what the Lord does he does charge those who are liars who are deceiving 
And I am free of being malicious or unbelieving or whatever it is. But I need to believe people too. I need to believe people. And with that, I am setting an example. That person will say, well, they believed me. But then they will feel ashamed and say, well, I need to change. Why is it that I'm always lying and deceiving, knowing that these people believe me, but that's not right. That's not correct. I'm sure a person will reflect upon that in this way and will then change. Love. So you see what love does? How great, how many great things are enclosed in love. It bears all things. Verse 8. Love never fails. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. When? When? Well, pay great attention. Because this is the debate in many different religions and denominations. There are many religions who misinterpret this verse and they shield themselves in this verse. And they say, no, 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 in my church, there are no spiritual gifts because it has come to an end. It's finished because in Corinthians 3, 8, it says that love never fails. And it says that there are prophecies. They will fail. Tongues, they will cease. And knowledge will vanish away. So they shield themselves in this verse. But the curious thing is, if someone more intelligent would ask and say, well, you say that the tongues will cease in prophecy, but knowledge has not vanished away. So then what is your answer to that? Well, someone intelligent could ask someone else this, but we're not going to argue this matter. I'm just going to give you an answer and pay great attention. And please remember this and write down what it means. Now, love never fails, meaning love here means a person who is holy and perfect can exist. God sanctifies them, perfects them. The church will be perfect and they will live in perfection for all eternity. And so it says, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. And when will that happen? When the Lord Jesus Christ comes back in the clouds. When the Lord returns in the clouds for his church. Because our Lord Jesus, it says he is perfecting his church. So that his church may be without spot or wrinkle that it is a perfect church and when it is perfect he will return in the clouds to gather his church made up of men and women believers all filled with the holy spirit all with the spiritual gifts all with love because no one is sinning no one is sinning and so it says the lord comes in the clouds and the people who are here on earth the believers in christ they are transformed into glorious bodies and they ascend into the clouds to receive the Lord and they will go with the Holy Spirit. And those who have died in the Lord resurrect. They will resurrect. So do not worry if you were cremated or not. Do not worry if they became ashes or not. There from the ashes, God is so powerful that he gathers those ashes back up from the ocean or wherever and he once again builds the body of that person, that believer who lived in God's path and who had love, 
who had the spiritual gifts and was a perfect man or woman, and God resurrects them, gives them their bodies. They had been cremated, but God once again restores them, and they once again become that person, and they ascend into the clouds to meet up with the Lord. And when that occurs, well, then the Holy Spirit goes off with the church, and here in the world, people will remain those who will go off to perdition, those who have been lost, those who did not want to accept the Lord, those who did not want to believe in the Lord, those who did not want to give the Lord his place and his dignity. They will remain here for perdition. The Lord, you'll know what he'll do with these people here, but as they remain here, they will no longer have the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit goes with his church. So therefore, the prophecies will fail. They will come to an end because there will be no more prophecy because the church is now in the clouds with the Lord. And there will be no more tongues. And knowledge, it will vanish away. The Lord will halt all knowledge. He will halt it. And so as our Lord Jesus Christ has not come back in the clouds, well then here, we are still standing and enjoying prophecy and the spiritual gifts and the tongues. We are enjoying all that knowledge. So that this is all clear to you and you keep it in your heart. Verse number 9. The Apostle Paul says, Now, for we know in part, so we know a little bit of the Lord in part, now, what we know of God is very little. We don't understand all the mysteries of God. And also, as we know a little bit in part of God, and also our prophecy is in part, our prophecy is in part, meaning prophecy is not as people would like it to be. That they receive a prophecy and that it be step by step what they need to do in their life. There are people who say, I'm going to church to go and see if God tells me which of the two admirers I have. I have two admirers and I don't know who I should pick. Should I go with Peter or should I go with John? So I'm going to go to church to see if God tells me in prophecy if I should go with Peter or with John. Well, God is never going to tell you or talk to you about those things because God is not a diviner. When God speaks of through the gift of prophecy, he speaks to you of important things for your spiritual life, for your spiritual growth, so that you are able to grow as a person, as a son or daughter of God, so that you change for the better. That is what God talks to you about. And he talks to you about those little things. He doesn't tell you everything. He can tell you, continue forward, because I will make of you an important man in life. And follow me, read the Bible, and pray, and obey me and trust in me, turn away from all evil, and I will make of you a great preacher. That's what the Holy Spirit can say. But he's not going to say, look, next week you're going to be traveling, and on that trip you'll be there for three days, and you're going to be swimming in a pool, and then you'll go and eat in a restaurant that is very elegant, and then you're going to take another airplane. No, God is not going to talk about those things. God doesn't talk about that. And there are also people who say, oh, I'm going to go to church to see if I'm going to win the lottery. 
yes, I'm going to buy the lottery, but I'm going to tell God to please give me the winning numbers or for him to tell me if I'm going to win it. Because if he doesn't tell me I'm going to win it, then I won't buy it. But if I will win it, then I'll buy it. And so because you're thinking this way and because you're treating God as a child or even a game, well, then the devil does come and tangle you up and deceives you. So the devil will say, yes, buy the lottery. You're going to win it. And then you don't win it. So you see, that person will then say, oh, I was told to buy the lottery and I was going to win it, but look, I didn't win it. Not a, not, not a single prize. Well, why are you caring about in foolish things? No, we cannot tempt God. We cannot demand God to tell me what I want to hear. No, it is whatever God wants to give me. However, he wants to guide me. However, he wants to talk to me. If God wants to speak to me and guide me, well, then maybe I'm going to, to, to carry out a business. And the Lord tells me things are not going to go well with that business. And then you say, well, Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving me that guidance. But it doesn't mean that I need to demand you to give me a step-by-step -step play of my life. That is what this means, that we prophesy in part. Prophecy truly is something that it is God talking to you about whatever he wants to talk to you about and give you guidance on whatever it is he wants to give you guidance for your spiritual growth. And so it is not our own whims. It's not about our own whims. There are people who every day, every day they come to church and they say, I want to receive prophecy to see what he says to me. I want to see what he says to see if my business will go well or if I'll, I'll fail or if my husband has another person on the side, or if my wife has someone on the side, I'm going to see what they'll tell me in prophecy. No, God is not going to talk to you about those things. And maybe God maybe has spoken to someone, I won't deny it about that, but that's God's will. And he'll do that so that that person doesn't suffer or, or feels bitter because they were sad. Just like once there was a woman who came to me, she was new, she was not a part of our church. She was a part of a different uh, traditional religion. And she was a Catholic religion. And she was suffering. She was bitterly suffering because her husband, her husband, well, they were getting divorced. He had someone else. And so she was very sad and he was ready to ask for a divorce. But before then, she came so, to me so that I could pray for her because she was very desolate and upset and I prayed for her and I asked God for her and in that moment I, I didn't know too much of what was going on with her life and then the Holy Spirit said to her your husband loves you your husband loves you and he says seek the right the upright path and he spoke to her about spiritual things but he said to her about he spoke to her about something she was suffering so much about to and he spoke to her in that way so that she could have peace again so that she could have happiness again and then later she says to me he loves me but he has someone else and we're going to get a divorce because of it well the lord tells you that he loves you so believe in that trust in that and she had come for the first time and the lord worked a miracle in her life she said that she left and she was transformed. All the bitterness that she had, she felt happy. She went back home with such love to her husband because in the prophecy, the Lord changed her. She got home. She was a changed person. 
and they never ended up getting a divorce. He, they, he never left her. So you see the work, the miracle that the Lord worked, and it's because that's God wanting to do that, that work and that miracle. I don't know why he wanted to manifest himself in that way. I think it was probably because she was sincere. And when she asked that I pray for her, and since she came and she was a different religion and she knows that we're followers of the Bible, but she respected all of that. And she appreciated and valued that I pray for her. So she appreciated and said, well, Maria Luisa has God. As Maria Luisa has God, well, I'm going to ask her to pray for me because I'm, I'm so desolate and I'm suffering. So God perhaps saw that. And God comforted her and gave her joy. So I think when God said to her, and your husband loves you, I think in that moment, God also probably gave him that love for her again. I'm sure maybe God did that in a very quick manner. And so that's it. Prophecy. God is the one who speaks. He talks and speaks of whatever he wants. And it's not our own whims that he talks about. It's not what we want. So this is why it says we prophesy in part. So for we know in part that doctrine and we prophesy in part. So our prophecy is limited. And what, what verse are we in? Verse 10. But when that which is perfect has come, this is after life, when the Lord comes in, the Lord comes to pick up his church and he picks up the Holy Spirit there in that perfect Canaan where that perfect Zion is and that tabernacle of our perfect Lord is, there, when that which is perfect comes, then that which is in part will be done away. Because there, where everything is perfect, we will have no need of prophecy. We will have no need of the spiritual gifts because we will be there with God. Blessed and praised is the name of the Lord. And now in verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And so that is how our spiritual life is. Our spiritual life, when it starts, we are like children. And as time goes by and we read the Bible and we have God and we have the spiritual gifts and we mature, we change and we have love, we have love. Well, then we are mature and we start to think in a mature way. Verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, meaning here, seeing through a mirror. This is everything that we're seeing from God, the miracles, all the wonders. Just like when someone looks at themselves in a mirror, well, that is how we look at everything that we're living and experiencing in the Lord. But one day, but then, face to face, we will see the Lord. Now I know in part. So yes, we know very little, but in that part. But then I shall know just as I also am known. There in eternity, glory be to our God. And now abide, faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. He says, the greatest of these is love. The one that will never fail and will endure to all eternity is love. And brothers and sisters and those newcomers and first-time guests, I hope that you receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit and then the spiritual gifts so that you may turn into that body of Christ. And then love. The love that you now know. Those who commit adultery have no love. Those who commit fornication have no love. 
Those who steal have no love. Those who have envy have no love. Now you know. We've read some of these sins. Well, there are many. But all of those sins, those who are committing those sins and they have the spiritual gifts, well, they have no love. And if they have no love, well, then they are doing nothing before God. And so be very careful. And I do advise you that your hearts be set and prepared for God. Let us now pray to our God. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you, Father, for this marvelous teaching. Thank you, Lord, and please allow this teaching to have touched the hearts of all. And that not only that it may reach our hearts, but that we may put it to practice, that we may be intelligent and wise, and that we are able to accept your teaching and doctrine, and that we are able to receive it in our being and that we are able to change. And that in this way, we may be able to enjoy it all as the body of Christ, that we may be the body of Christ, that we may be members that truly are used for the work of evangelizing. And that each of us may have the spiritual gifts and that each of us may go out into the world to evangelize and work. Now that we have, through technology, a very easy way to evangelize. Help us, Lord, and give us strategies so that we are able to evangelize the world and to talk to so many people who are without God and who have no hope. People who are ignorant. And because of their ignorance, they've become rebellious and they have become corrupt. But Heavenly Father, we are small. We consider ourselves to be so small. And you have to strengthen us. You have to help us grow. And you have to help us have love. That each of us may have love in its fullness so that we may be able to serve you and to fulfill that mission that you have set for us and that you want us to do. This mission that you appointed and entrusted to the apostles, we have it as well. We have been covered upon, we have been covered with that same commandment and our future generations will also be covered by this ordinance and by these teachings. Oh. Holy Father, please help us. My Father, I thank you. All praises are for you. All honor is for you. All glory is for you. Thank you, eternal God. And now, Father, in your mercy, I ask, Lord, that you stretch out your healing hand upon all people, men and women, those who are ill, those who are at home sick or are in the hospitals, for those who are ill with different diverse diseases and those who even have this virus may you stretch out your mighty hand and heal cleanse and deliver and have mercy lord and give them another opportunity to know your ways and your truth and be saved holy father thank you and remove all curses all witchcraft and sorcery all ties and all evil spirits that bind people Lord, may you deliver, deliver all those who cry out to you and ask. Thank you, my Father. 
We pray all of this in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son. Glory and honor be to our God. Blessed and praised is the name of the Lord. And we're going to sing the chorus every day with Jesus, chorus 119. Every day with Jesus. Cada día con Cristo me llena de perfecta paz. Cada día con Cristo le amo más y más. Él me salva brothers and sisters until next time and please excuse me for going a little over time but god bless you all and kisses to all the children and to all of you many hugs i love you and to all of you here thank you and god bless you <laughs>